Hi there, I'm Jay Goldstein, Head of Program at Petrie. I'm your host and I'm happy to welcome you to our podcast. For those of you who don't know us, Petrie develops companies attacking the world's largest problems at the frontier of biology and engineering. This podcast is about spotlighting inspiring founders who are innovating, improving human health and sustainability. Today's episode is focused on the future of food and nutrition. We'll talk to Sofia Elizondo, co-founder and COO of Brightseed. Brightseed enables a healthier future by illuminating and activating the biological connections between plants and people. Plant small molecules, or bioactives, are often referred to as nature's dark matter. Brightseed's Forager is the first and only artificial intelligence to map the world's bioactives and predict which of them have the greatest impact on critical health areas. Forager's discoveries have implications for how we grow, process, and consume plants in order to optimize their natural potency. In this episode, we're gonna talk about Sophia's start as a founder. We'll take a deep dive into the science, we'll explore its impact on the field, and finally, we'll get three concrete tips from Sophia to help founders, perhaps like you, building at the intersection of biology and engineering. Sophia, it is great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, it's lovely to be here. Let's start at the beginning with your roots as a founder. Where did you grow up and did you have any inklings when you were a child that like this was the path you were going to be taking? Absolutely not. (laughs) I grew up, I actually grew up in Monterrey, Mexico. And I, um, I mean, as a kid, I was pretty, you know, I was good in school and I was very well behaved. I wandered and talking to myself a lot, at least I hear that from my parents all the time. I loved animals and grew up with a lot of cousins. And so I was both like, um, you know, the the object of bullying of my older cousins and also had a, had a chance to boss my little cousins around. So it was, it was a really lovely uh, childhood. And at school, um, I was pretty kind of competitive and well, and also played competitive sports, but I never thought that I would be a founder. I mean, there are folks who go out looking for opportunities to build a company. And, and I, it wasn't my case. I was comfortable in the predetermined career path where I could get a promotion and I can feel good about my, my trajectory and get myself pats in the back. And this whole like entrepreneur thing was really scary until I like fell in love with this space of the intersection of food and health Um, I fell in love with the opportunities that technology can bring um, and to unleash kind of the wonders that we're sitting on already um, in terms of what nature provides. And and I really enjoyed working with my co-founders. And so it all came together for Brightseed. um, And that was kind of the entrepreneurial moment or light bulb for me. I'm super curious because you studied politics, philosophy, and economics, right, as an undergrad, and then you got your MBA later on. And I'm just, where did this passion kick in along that trajectory? (laughs) This is all disconnected. How how does this make sense? Um, I love the question. I I think here's the thread. I have always been very attracted to hairy, complex problems and the kind of societal problems that are not very um, easy to answer. And in particular, finding profitable solutions for people and planet and mixing the private markets with that is a very compelling type of solution for me. Um, And so when I I studied philosophy, politics, and economics, I essentially, you know, how humans get organized to 
to solve areas that we believe are important for society. Um, and then I had have an MBA um, where I focused on social innovation. So a master's in business, but really addressing how can we use private enterprise to address these societal issues. And, and so this is, um, to me, all of all, this journey makes a ton of sense. And the intersection of, of health and food really brings all of this together. It is kind of the agriculture, um, the farming um, community, the connection between that food and people, and, and of course the impact that all of this has on our health today. I'd love to hear how you met your co-founders of Bright Seed and just sort of how that transition happened. Yeah, so I am so lucky to work with two amazing people, Jim Flatt and Lee J. And Jim Lee and I are very different from each other. We not only look different and we have different walks of life. Um, Jim and Lee um, are tremendous scientists. Uh, Lee has a track record in academia. Uh, Jim has a track record as an executive in, in many successful companies. And, and I am not a scientist by training. Um, I came from the business world. So um, we met at a prior company. We were all working together in a company focused on plant protein. Plant protein is really important as a um, lever to improve um, our environmental impact and to lower the consumption of, of meat protein and animal protein. But we were all really passionate about health and, and a plant protein, or in particular, doesn't address health head on. And so three and a half years ago, we had the opportunity to put a business plan together and to you know, pitch it to investors that we knew from previous companies in previous lives and say like the three of us really complement each other with what we bring to the table. We believe that there is an important problem to solve and we have skills um, to address that. And that's, that's how it all started. That was not a super fun transition moment, but um, it sounds <laughs> it sounds like it's it was a great move. And what I'd love to do now is invite Josh to join the conversation. Josh is a partner with us at Petrie. He oversees our sustainability portfolio, and we're going to get a little technical to talk about the breakthrough science at Brightseed. Uh, thanks, Jay. Um, I'd love to just start with the basics, and then maybe we can talk through the technology platform that you guys call Forager. And then perhaps we can try to tie it all together, make it all a little bit more tangible with, with a real world example. So I guess starting with phytonutrients, can you define this for us? How big is the universe of these compounds? How many of them do we have cataloged? What's the, the current state of the science on phytonutrients? Yes, I love it. Um, big picture, uh, plants create a ton of natural chemicals thousands of natural chemicals per plant. There are probably tens of millions of natural plant chemicals um, out in the world. These are super important for health. And we know it um, because uh, longitudinal studies show us that consumption of plant-rich diets leads to longer, healthier lives. So there's something in the plants that is helping. And pharma um, has derived um, drugs from these plants for decades. Aspirin is from the bark of the willow tree. Metformin from diabetes is the French lilac. Taxol for cancer. Um, so 
two thirds of small molecule drugs are derived from natural products. So we know that these little things are super potent and powerful and without them, we die prematurely. So really important area to explore. Um, however, we science has maybe only cataloged about 100,000 of these. Like remember, remember, there are tens of millions in nature and about 100,000 we know um, exist. Um, and we know what they are and we sometimes know what they do for us and sometimes we don't. So this was the starting point for Brightseed's forager technology. The 99% that is unknown is called the dark matter of the plant kingdom. And so the very first step to understand what the plant kingdom can do for us for health is to illuminate this dark matter. And that's what Forager does. We build and have the world's largest proprietary platform um, of plant compound data um, that is illuminating this dark matter at a very fast rate. We already have several hundred thousand compounds mapped out. By the end of the year, we're going to reach a million compounds mapped out. So this is 10 times more than the world already knows um, about these powerful um, uh, bioactives. In, in your view, what's the biggest bottleneck that has prevented us from knowing about these compounds in the past? Plants are really fickle and, and it's hard to isolate specific compounds from plant material. And so the most advanced equipment um, even using mass spectrometry can get you to very high resolution, but not um, at, at the specific compound level. And so this is where our AI comes in. We take all of that data and, um, and use machine learning inferences to determine what are indeed the compounds that are inside of these fractions um, so that we can start associating them to specific health benefits. And does this... Does Forager allow you guys to find more compounds per plant or are you finding just more plants? Yes, both, everything, all of the above. Um, no, but, the, but yes, yes, categorically to the first one, which is mind blowing. Um, we are finding eight times or even 10 times more compounds per plant than literature previously knew were in there. And, and which is super exciting because for me, um, like we're sitting on the answer. The answer is there and it is in the food supply chains and the agricultural supply chains and in the history of the plants that we've always consumed. We don't need to go look for exotic Amazonian flowers. The answer of the powerful bioactives that, that um, have potent effects for our body may already be you know, in our own hands. We just need to know how to look. What kind of data actually reside within Forager? So in addition to the compounds, are you guys using genomics data, metabolomics data, data, any other omics data from these plant sources? And um, I'm also just curious where it actually comes from. How much of this was aggregated from publicly available data sets versus actually produced firsthand by the Brightseed team? Yeah, so, so great question. A multi-omics um, approach. Um, and we've not only kind of... Um, incorporated the public data that is available, of course, but we generate most of this data in-house. This is where the, the million compounds is gonna come from, from our own efforts to source, fractionate, and profile uh, plant sources ourselves. Got it. 
And so we have this huge data set in Forager. Um, maybe talk to us about how you then map these compounds to their potential impact on, on human health. So is this done entirely in silico or is there some, is there an in vitro component that facilitates that validation? Yeah, spot on. So um, Forger has three pillars, the plants themselves, the compounds, plant compounds, and that compound library that we chatted about, and a digital model of human health. And this third pillar is, is where a lot of our training data comes from. We do not want to invent um, um, data on this third pillar. There are decades of biomedical research already, known human biological um, targets that, uh, can, that we can mine and we can codify so that we can train um, our algorithms to look for solutions in this ever-expanding library of plant compounds that we're building. We use machine learning all across you know, these three pillars. We use machine learning to infer the compounds from the plant sources. We use machine learning to train um, our models to look for compounds that can impact biological, specific biological benefits. And we also use machine learning to predict what kind of plants are likely to generate these compounds um, uh, because you know nature works in multiples as my as my co-founder Lee likes to say so if it's found in one plant it is likely found in many others and some may be better sources for um, ingredients that we may, may want to take to market. Let's take a real world example here and maybe make this all a little bit more tangible. You guys just recently announced some preclinical data for two phytonutrients that you identified Absolutely. And it's a really exciting start of the year because we just announced the very compelling preclinical data on these discoveries and we're moving into human clinicals this year. So I'm so glad you brought it up. <laughs> Big yeah, little step back. Um, we, when we started Brightseed, we knew we had a shot at really putting a dent on chronic disease. Um, let's find the natural compounds that exist, the bioactives that can help us remain healthy and, and proactively nourish our bodies in that way. The, one of the biggest areas of concern that we identified almost out of the gates was metabolic health. Metabolic health um, um, is a broad term uh, to signify uh, that covers um, obesity, uh, diabetes, uh, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure. Essentially, when your body cannot translate you know, the, the calories in and energy um, output in a very productive way. And 85% of US Americans are metabolically unhealthy. And it's the number one reason why there are complications of COVID. After age, you end up in the hospital if you're metabolically unhealthy with a much higher likelihood. So even before the pandemic, we've identified this is an area that we should pursue. Um, and, and there are no drugs that you can take to solve it. So we um, I determined that there was a, um, a biological receptor that is, high, that is highly expressed in the liver um, that um, when it's working um, at high, uh, fun functioning at high rates, it keeps fat from accumulating in the liver which is very important because our liver detoxifies our blood. And it is what keeps us, one of the main engines of what keeps us metabolically healthy. So with this biological target in mind, we asked Forger 
what plant compounds out there can modulate this target. And Forager made predictions. And we sent those predictions to uh, a lab in San Diego to test in in vitro assays. And we, we found hits. And it was super surprising because pharma um, regularly does this. And we screen libraries of compounds by the hundreds and thousands with very low hit rates. And, and we sent our, our uh, collaborator uh, a few dozen uh, <laughs> of these uh, compounds. And it was amazing to have found a hit. We then asked Forager, what plants can produce this compound? Because if it's an exotic Amazonian flower, we're not interested. We want something that has a supply chain, a sustainable supply chain. And Forager predicted over 80 plant sources that we validated and realized they contain this compound. And one of them that we've talked about before is black pepper. And so lo and behold, here we have the lowliest spice that is probably sitting on your table that is a pillar of Ayurvedic medicine um, in, in ancient traditions in India. And it has a compound that no one ever knew was associated to impact on your liver in this very potent way and on a healthy metabolism. So we've published the preclinical data that supports this, these findings and we're moving now to human clinicals and are really, really excited to take this to market as a natural ingredient that is extracted from you know, the humble black pepper that can have a really big impact on people's health. So if you were going to consume this in some capacity, how would one take the components of the black pepper and use it in a real world application? Yeah, so we, um, we make this available in partnership with companies um, that create um, functional foods or supplements or medical foods. And this is Bright Seed essentially powers the ecosystem of proactive health so that um, our findings can be multiplied across many formats um, and that can reach you as a consumer in the different types of daily habits that you may have. Let's talk a little bit about what kind of impact you want to have with Brightseed in the next five years, next 10 years. What, what do you imagine is possible? Yeah, I love this question. You know, I fast forward to a moment where Brightseed's technology is ubiquitous. And I think when we get there, we would have wiped out, you know, half of the world's non-communicable diseases because we would have mapped the bioactivity of plants and the specific potent health impact that they can have for, for us uh, and to enable you know, a healthier future. So it's exciting to think about how our paradigm of health from prevention through to therapeutics um, can really be accelerated when this technology is widely available. Let's, let's transition now to some tips for founders. So women are still underrepresented as founders. And I'm curious to hear how gender has impacted your role, um, if at all, in launching Brightseed. Uh, and therefore, what advice you would give to emerging women founders who are thinking about launching companies as well? Yeah, I love this um, question, uh, Jay. And I think the most important thing that a founder can do is surround themselves with really great people. And my co-founders are the first couple of people that I surrounded myself with. And my our early investors are, for, are first employees. 
Um, that really, really matters to see beyond gender or potential perceived limitations that may accompany any one of us at any given moment. So number one is surround yourself with really amazing people. Interestingly, only my grandfathers and my uncles were entrepreneurs and business people. And so I did not have a lot of examples of women entrepreneurs. And I think that is the second thing that I would suggest as a tip. Surround yourself with great people, number one. And number two, look for examples because it really makes a difference when you project yourself uh, to see examples that look like you or that you can relate to most, most importantly um, in areas that you aspire to go. Let's talk next about intellectual property. We get a lot of questions from folks at the early stage who are thinking about intellectual property a great deal. They're wondering what they need to protect, how they protect it. You've done a lot of work in this space and I'm wondering at the earliest stages of Brightseed, like what were you thinking about in regard to intellectual property? My perspective um, is that ideas are a dime a dozen. Ideas are not worth quote unquote protecting. I think the more you workshop them, the more likely you are to find supporters, backers, um, flesh them out so that you can actually go and execute them. Different, however, are trade secrets. <laughs> trade secrets are how you implement your idea, um, and that is important to keep. And so my tip there for kind of early stage founders is be mindful of your trade secrets and look for showing investors, um, if you're fundraising, show them what your technology can do. And that is way more important than the how. That way you prove that you can you know, do something impactful without having to you know, share uh, the nitty gritty of your trade secrets. And ultimately, you know, how may not even matter if the what is really compelling. Let's talk about your commercial strategy. Who are your customers at Brightseed? How did you figure out your commercial strategy? What advice do you have for emerging founders to figure out who to charge for what and sort of when to bring on customers? Such an important question. I love it. Um, we started the company um, on a compelling like health concern, which I, which I talked about briefly, and building a fantastic technology that could address um, a whole set of solutions. Um, and it is so important to think through who wants this and, and why and how much they would pay for it. And I think my advice would be, even if you have and you're sitting on a really compelling uh, technological tool, focus on the problem that this tool can solve and not on the tool itself. So focus on the problem and then it may be that your tool is the right solution. It may be that your tool is too complex or it's too good. Like what really solves the problem is like a, a half of what you already are sitting on. And so, but don't be enamored with your solution. Like really, really look at the problem. And then to your question on price and how much to charge for what, my recommendation there is to focus on the value that you're bringing. If you can, you know, for example, if Brightseed can improve the chances of a successful clinical trial because we 
bring solutions to the table that have a history of human consumption and are less likely to be toxic, what is the value of making or of, of ensuring success in your clinical trial? Well, that's a hell of a lot because clinical trials can get really, really expensive. <laughs> and so ask the question, what value do you bring before the question, you know, how much does it cost to deliver that? In, in your case, who are actually your customers? Our customers are um, functional food companies, supplements companies, um, OTC companies, um, um, medical foods companies. So foods that are, are companies that are reaching consumers in different kinds of packaged formats um, and that want to deliver natural solutions that actually work. Here's my last tip. It's a journey and it's a long one. And like, make sure it's something that you really love and make sure you don't burn yourself out because they can be, it can be really tempting to keep a sprint pace. And sometimes it is absolutely needed, but at the end of the day, it's about like the journey. And so the people you're with and the, the reason why you're doing it really matters. Sophia, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a real pleasure talking to you about Brightseed and all your great tips for founders. It has been so fun to be here. And just thinking of the folks that mostly listen to this podcast, wow, it's an exciting place to be when you're sitting on a great idea and you want to embark on it. And all my best. If you haven't yet signed up for our Petri newsletter, go to our website, petri.bio, to stay connected. 